0: Welcome, everybody, to k Fabe Comparisons. We're doing a slightly different intro this week. We're doing a slightly different format this week. It is the Indie Spotlight. We are joined by your natural host, Mr. Know-It-All, Daniel John Schaefer, myself, Jesse Baker, and Wesley Lawson, the good old k Fabe crew. Daniel,
1: how you doing, buddy? I am alive and well. I'm just
2: trying to survive this winter, man. It's bitter cold out there.
1: Feel that, Wesley? Doing pretty good besides my knee. Got a bum knee right now, but besides that, I'm hanging in there.
0: Old skateboarder supermarket over here had somebody Ooh. run into his quad at the skate park and turned into Kevin Nash on us.
1: Yep. <laughs> and then now the knee hurts, and it's just a big old thing.
0: Big old thing. Well, speaking of big old things, we are very, very, very happy to have our guest for this indie spotlight on this format, this first time, this unique different strange thing that we're doing the original deathmatch referee the host of real side of wrestling who i used to be on as well then some producer slash co-host capacity all that fun stuff mr john gray john how are you doing buddy
3: i'm good thanks so much for having me guys i hope uh you all hear me if i break up at all just let me know um so yeah appreciate you having me
0: absolutely um so basically what we want to do with this particular kind of format in this particular kind of show we want to get your story john and we each have some questions to sort of delve into i won't go too far into your background because we want to save it for the story but uh mm-hmm. 22 year plus referee lots of death mm-hmm. matches lots of companies lots of places lots of things i got to start kind of at the beginning dude like what got you into the business what got you interested and in, in how did you start
3: so i grew up in louisville um which for those of you old school fans you know that was a mecca for memphis yeah. wrestling um cwa uswa jerry lalo eddie marlin uh the missing link you know those guys so on tuesday nights you know i go i went to the gardens every tuesday from like 1984 when i moved to kentucky to uh like 96 when danny davis started running there uh, part-time or whatever so just growing up you know watching it live and and seeing the craziness that i saw there you know i i knew at a pretty young age that's what i wanted to do um i I know y'all can't see me very well but god did not bless me with big muscles and a sexy body so (laughs) i had to decide pretty quickly you know what i wanted to do within the industry um i always knew i wanted to be a part of it just didn't know what my calling was going to be um you fast forward quite a few years in rotten uh, started running shows in Louisville at an old Kmart building. We would go out there on Thursdays and, and watch that and um, I got hooked up with the right people. Um, I met Joe Bailey there who would go on to be the first promoter to give me a job uh, but the people that I credit the most with helping me break in are like uh, Brian Vincent from Backrow Hecklers, Hecklers, uh, the Warlock um, you know that, that was his deal uh, the Locke family thing, the backyard wrestling and you know, once I did the backyard stuff, then I got hooked up with Joe's son, J.C., and from there, the opportunities just kind of kind of came. So, uh, the first one with Joe. That's awesome.
0: The uh, So, for anybody who may not be informed, do you want to expand a little bit on who Joe Bailey and J.C. Bailey are?
3: Um, if you don't know who J.C. Bailey is, uh, YouTube this man. Um, J.C. Bailey, uh, God rest his soul, he passed away in 2010 to a brain aneurysm. Mm. Um, was um, definitely before his time. Um, he was, you know, he he didn't want to go out and just swing a light tube for the sake of swinging a light tube. He wanted a story to be told. He wanted there to be a rhyme and a reason. And I credit JC a lot with putting stories together within the realm of a deathmatch field, uh, mm. long before it was ever really being done on a regular basis uh, within the within the realm of a match, rather um people could tell stories like in Axel Axel told a great story um in and out of the ring but jc could do it just every single time and it was really something amazing to watch um i showed up hotlines were a big thing back then did, did you all ever do like hotlines in the early 2000s late 90s I, early 2000s I, remember them. Was that-
1: I wasn't allowed to call but i definitely remember that my yeah, mom yeah. never let me but
3: yeah yeah, yeah so Everybody had a hotline back then, including yours truly. And uh, I would go on and I would report like OVW and BBW and uh, IWA like results. And I would have their guys on and, you know, promote them or whatever. So I was trying to podcast long before Real South Media ever came along. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, like I only had two minutes to do it. Uh, so it was really rapid fire, really quick. Um, so everybody had one of those. And, you know, I showed up at a show. And the ref didn't show. And JC went to his dad. He said, uh, "You got you got a usable ref sitting in your audience." Um, Joe came up to me, uh, as only Joe could, got rested his soul. Um, uh, John Gray, uh, <laughs> a couple, two, three guys think you might uh, might might be make a good referee for old Joe Bailey. So uh, go on back there; they'll, they'll they'll walk you through it. I had no fuck clear what I got myself into. It was <laughs> it was uh the first match i'll never forget it as long as i live uh, brutal bill lewis cowboy chris cartwright no i'm sorry cowboy chris cartwright and a guy named the regulator and the finish i was supposed to disqualify one of them and i got distracted i turned around they both had a weapon they both swung them and i disqualified both of them and they took turns like tatering me like smacking me around the ring so that was my very first match ever ref i, I screwed the finish up and it was
1: <laughs> first time out Al, <laughs> screwed the poof.
3: Yeah. Yeah. First time out, screw the finish. Cause all I, all I had done before that was like backyard stuff, you know, sure. like jumping on trampolines and shit like that. You know, yeah. like I didn't know the first thing about actually being like a referee what year so was I did that? that? for a while. Uh, that was in 98, 1998 okay. real, I was 18, uh, real green. Um, you know, just lucky to be doing what I was doing. Um, and a little bit later that year, I got hooked up with the American Kickboxer uh, and another backyarder at the time named uh, the Hood Ninja Isaiah. Uh, some of you may know that name. Um, we all three got together and the Rage Dojo was born uh, with Kickboxer leading the training and me and Zaya being his first two trainees. And, uh, you know, I learned real quick wrestling wasn't for me. <laughs> I'll stick to the refing. So uh, the first time that Zaya had to cut my teeth away from my lower lip, that that was when I pretty much decided, yeah, no, I, I think I'll just stick to refing. So um, that that's you know kind of where it went, and you know I, I almost did a screw job on Ian Rotten for Joe because I'm a loyalist first, and uh, Joe gave me my break and did the show at Toy Tiger, and Joe calls me the day before the show. He says, uh, Ian ain't bringing no ref. If you ref his match. You make sure he loses. I was like, oh shit! I got to do a legit screw finish. I don't, <laughs> I'm three years. I'm only like three years, two, three years in at this point, you know. And I'm just like, yeah. man, I don't know if I can do all this. You know, it's crazy, crazy times, man. Joe was, Joe was one of those uh, backwoods promoters. He put on a good show, but man, he was, um, yeah, he, he was a country boy to to the core. So it's crazy.
0: Well, hell yeah. That's a lot of background. I love it. I think uh, we're going to throw to Daniel here, might have a second round of a question here for you.
2: Yeah, man, absolutely. So for me, I, I like the intricacies of the third man in the ring. You know what I mean? Because everybody everybody always talks about the two opponents and putting together a match. But realistically, yeah. um, you know, when you're in the locker room and, you know, for example, like, let's say uh, you're you're doing a show at a VFW hall compared to like, you know, a bigger, a couple hundred people in a crowd type show, let's say it's the same exact match in the ring. What's the difference mm-hmm. in feel there and how do you specifically as the referee interact differently that way? You know what I mean?
3: Um, wow. <laughs> so, you know, for me, I get nervous no matter if there's 10 people or a thousand people, you know, yeah. like the, the butterflies are always, always there one of the things that I try to always remember is, you know, what we do as a show and, and I'm just part of telling that story. Um, so, you know, I mean, but as far as like the feel, the feel is always the same. Like I'm out there. Am I going to screw up? What am I going to screw up? You know, um, what was the finish again you know like i'm going through a million things in my head trying to make sure i'm not thinking of another finish that i was told you know about a different match or whatever and that's happened um looking for one finish thinking that that was it and that was actually the finish of another match so that's why you don't reuse match you know you reuse moves in a match just just so you know
2: yeah
3: so that um, makes
2: perfect sense
3: yeah Yeah. Yeah. little, little lesson there for you youngins. Quit stealing people's finishers for your high spot. Damn it. Um, confuses some of us. No, but, um, (laughs) you know, for, for for me, it's, yeah, for me, it's just like, you know, yeah, I, I, I'm always nervous. It doesn't matter how many people's out there The feel, you know, the match could be drawn out the exact same and I know it's going to go the exact same and the same feeling is still going to be there with the butterflies.
1: Nice.
2: The Butterflies are almost like part of the, uh, part of the adrenaline, almost like, you know, something that you oh, want to yeah. have there every time. Yeah. Wex, what do you got for you? Yeah.
1: So like after t- over 20 years in the business and s- talking about screwing up, what is, p- do you think the worst match you've ever been a part of, whether it be you screwed up or someone else screwed up or just, it was just a bad time in general?
3: Um, any Christian Skyfire match, um, just <laughs> bury him, guy. Just him. <laughs> <laughs> fuck that guy um no uh and you know christian christian broke in with me um we were best friends growing up I, I i didn't dislike him until he became a total douche uh and didn't pay me money as a promoter you know so fuck that guy um but and and he didn't bleed at king of the death and you know like he put on such like this great big deal with josh crane to get into king and then got to king and didn't bleed a drop you know well, it was like blake well, Walton. what's the point yeah exactly what's the point? what what i found to be ironic was everybody shit on him for it but it wasn't to the extent of blake walton shitting on jimmy lloyd okay i don't know if y'all watched all that in the murder death kill club <laughs> blake walton just destroyed jimmy lloyd and i love Jimmy you know, I don't care what he does in the ring. That's his business. Yeah. Um, you know, but, uh, Dub, Christian, he, he was just a fucking douche. Um, and you know, he never really tried to get any better. Um, he would surround himself with mediocre or poor people, uh, performance wise. And, you know, a lot of times he was the, the smart one and that's scary. Um, so, you know, for me, it, yeah, any, anything Dubcey did, um, there was one. Any match like specific that I, boxes I really,
2: or anything from that, like specific, like things that just weren't supposed to happen.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I once blew a finish for a combat zone wrestling, uh, uh, I pay-per-view deal, uh, Masada and Michael Elgin. Uh, I knew the finish. They told me the finish. They hit the finish. I went for the count one. Two. that's not it <laughs> 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 he kicked out when clearly he didn't kick out and uh you know so yeah i looked like a real fucking fool with that uh, another one i can tell you it happened at insanity pro uh from Indianapolis. <laughs> uh bj whitmer drake younger i was supposed to do a run-in uh they bump they brought they bumped brandon toll And I was supposed to wait for Drake to grab the chair and gut shot B.J. Whitmer. Uh, Drake grabs the chair and here I come. And the reason that happened was I'm in the locker room and originally I was at the gorilla position, but we had a TV in the locker room. So I walked back into the locker room to watch the TV, not realizing that there was a short delay there. There was a guy standing by the gorilla position Who was watching the match so when drake hit the spot before the chair he yells go john gray go and boom there i went straight from the locker room and out the curtain i get i get three steps out the curtain and realize oh not yet (laughs) i'm early and drake Drake is in the ring. Drake younger is in the ring. And I mean, he is fucking pissed and rightfully so. I mean, I'm, I'm blowing his finish, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, you know, so, so I, he's looking at what the fuck are you doing? You know, I'm like, yeah. oh, God damn it. You know, and at that point it's, what do you do? You know, you do, I couldn't turn around and go to the back. Yeah. You know, I'm already out there. So, you know, I just went on and I forget now we, we got to the finish and everything was fine. We got to the back he ripped my ass real good, which I deserved. Um, you know, and I, 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 learned from that, move forward. You know, pay attention. <laughs> Don't yeah. always rely on the person running gorilla. Um, you know, so yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've had my fair share of fuck ups, and, and I, I love every one of them because they've made me better. Um, totally. Great experience. And, and I can look back on them humbly. You know. So yeah.
0: Well, I'm curious about. As you got into wrestling, as you got into different promotions, as you worked with other people, what turned you on to deathmatch wrestling specifically? Great question.
3: IWA Mid-South. I was already a deathmatch fan. Like, um, after watching, like, and I'm not trying to bury Ohio Valley Wrestling, okay? But what they did compared to what IWA was doing was there just was no comparison. This was like ECW amped up times 10 to us, you know, cause ECW was big. They were like a syndicated type deal or whatever. And, and Louisville, they weren't like well, well known. Right. <laughs> so IWA was bringing in those ECW guys and Ian was an ECW guy. So, you know, they were like what we were used to be seeing or what we were used to seeing times like 50 um, so that really turned me on real quick seeing light tubes and barbed wire and shit that you just did not see at the gardens ever. Sure. You know, I, I kind of broke in a deathmatch fan. I didn't actually start doing a lot of deathmatches until I think around two thousand seven, two thousand and eight.
0: So yeah. you are about ten years it's, in the business.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's when it is when it really became like a, a really big you know stick for me
0: sure you ever get hurt repping death matches
3: yeah yeah uh <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> it's a stupid
0: question but basically i mean no can you tell a story about no it's, it's really it's really
3: <laughs> it, it, you know it's really funny because like um in 23 years mm. the the only injuries i've ever had are the one i'm fixing to tell you about and and you know little glass and stuff in my fingers you know from not wearing gloves yeah um but at King of the Death 2016 uh, in the ring was Marcus Crane, Dale Patricks, Josh Crane and Ricky Shane page. They all four grabbed a bundle of light tubes. I went and stood behind Ricky Shane page because he's the biggest guy in the fucking ring. Um, and I figured he would probably take the brunt of most of the glass that would be flying my way. So they all four swing, boom. And I've watched it like a thousand times. A little piece of the end cap, the metal end cap from a tube caught me right next to my ear and temple. And I was bleeding like a stuck pig. Um, Uh Nick Glenn uh, was on commentary with Randy West. They stopped doing commentary to run. And he literally, a fan had made him a shirt. He had the shirt around his neck and just took it off and stuck it to my head and was like, come on, let's go. Uh, and took me to the back. Jimmy Lloyd was doing a special guest referee spot or whatever, so he got in the ring and finished the match. Um, I went to the hospital, got three stitches, um, came back and finished the show. Nice, nice. Damn,
1: that's love fucking it. tough, wow. right there.
3: <laughs> I love
2: it. I love it. So, I love it. Absolutely yeah. love it. Yeah. Man, okay. So for me, like, I gotta ask. Out of, out of all of these matches, out of all of your experience, like, do you have a Obviously, like you know, you're more more known for death matches. So, of those, is there like a favorite one? Like, if you're like, I'm gonna die tomorrow, like this is the match that I that I was a part of that I'm most proud of.
3: Oh wow, um, man! You know, I've been I've been so blessed to be the third man or the fifth man in a lot of cases, sure. um, in in the ring uh, with some some of the biggest names that this industry has ever seen. Um, and I, and I don't like to name drop for, for the sake of this question, I will name drop a few names. Um, you know, if I died tomorrow, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I got to work with, uh, yeah. first and foremost would probably be the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase, who is, uh, a mentor to me. Uh, he is a good friend and somebody who, uh, to this day, uh, if I pick up the phone and call him and need him. Uh, if he's not available at that very moment, he'll return my call within a day or two. Um, That's crazy. I'm very blessed to have that relationship with, with Teddy Biasi. Um, I'm blessed that through that relationship, uh, I got to work with the Road Warriors when they were alive. I got to work with Sting and Shawn Michaels and um, Buff Bagwell and Greg Valentine, and I was baptized by Nikita Koloff. Um, so... <laughs> Um, yeah. So, you know, like, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a story. Uh, I was baptized by Nikita Koloff. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, yeah, it, you know, it's, it, um, I, I've just been, you know, so blessed to be able to, you know, do that and, and work with those guys. Uh, George South is definitely on that list. Tracy Smothers, God rest his soul. Uh, J.C. Bailey, Simon Says, um, certainly Ian and Axel Rotten. Uh, You know, so many big names that I've over the years that I've just been able to work with. I mean, I could I could name names forever.
2: (laughs) So if you if you had to pick out like one match specifically, which one would that be? You think?
3: Uh, Detroit World Outreach, two thousand four. On one side you had World Warrior, Animal, and Sting. On the other side you had uh, Buff Bagwell and Greg Valentine. And Shawn Michaels and Ted DiBiase both did run-ins. Um, oh, nice. And that that was, you know, really a big moment in my career. Um, yeah, seven amazing. years in. So, yeah, yeah. So you know, again, right place, right time, all people. Yeah.
0: can't really lead on this. You were baptized by Nikita fucking Koloff?
3: Yeah, yeah. I was baptized by my Nikita Koloff. Okay, so there's what's the story there? got yeah. You so <laughs> yeah, so um, I, I got hooked up with Teddy Biassi in um, at, at this little si- at this little show or whatever uh, in Kentucky, and uh, through that he invited me to do the Detroit show, mm-hmm. and after the Detroit show, they were doing like this athletes conference in Phoenix. Um, and he invited me down for that and, uh, they actually, the, the conference paid for all of my shit, like the hotel, the everything, like it it was all inclusive. It was, it was really cool. Um, because I was a guest of Ted's. So,
0: um, I went
3: down there and, you know, it was such a great experience. Um, got to meet up with, uh, Ernie Ladd, Reggie White, uh, Manny Pacquiao, uh Floyd Mayweather was there uh just just so many you know huge huge names in the sports world yeah. you know just just a lot of great Reggie White was there which was super cool uh you know just just a lot of really cool athletes pardon me I got hiccups now um and uh, after we went to the Adobe Mountain Detention Center uh we uh we're out in the parking lot, and Sting and Nikita come up to me, and they're like, "Hey, you know, we preached to them. You spoke to them." And all I could really think was, "You know, I've I've been where those kids are at." And this is minutes after after meeting one kid who literally set his parents on fire. Okay, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the stories that these kids were, were telling us were, and, and, fifth, and yeah. that we were able to confirm through staff were just we, we were just floored uh you know a lot of these kids they're never going to see a live day uh right. and and i i get that especially the one that um burned his parents alive you know that's just crazy um so we get back to the hotel and you know the whole time we're, we're talking and you know um they're they're preaching the gospel to me, which is great. Um, and uh, I had been saved at one of Dibiase's shows, which is how me and Dibiase became friends. So I was like, you know what, y'all are doing the baptism thing today. I've never been baptized. Um, I'll, I'll, you know, I'd like to be baptized. I had no idea who was doing them. Um, so we go down, and Nikita like stepped up and was like, "Hey, I'll baptize you." And I was just like. Oh, wow. Cool. So that's how that happened. That's amazing. That's
1: a way cooler story than my baptism. It was just like my friend's dad in a pool at church camp.
2: That, <laughs> that, that story could go sideways real quick. We can yeah. move on with the next question here.
3: <laughs> I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. Damn <laughs> it, man.
0: Uh, uh, Wes, I think your question's up, buddy.
2: Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 what was his name, Kane? I have to ask. Was the kid's name Kane? No, his
1: name. Sorry, it I had wasn't. to. I had to. Okay. Okay, my next question that I was going to ask out of all the years of refing and everything, have you ever been involved in a match where somebody got mad and shit got real? Like, shoot happened, whether it was against you or against the wrestler or just anything like that?
3: Um, yeah. Yeah, I've had to stop a couple of shoot fights. Um, There was, um, and, and I've been beat the hell out of too. I told that one story of that earlier, my very first match in, um, so (sighs) number one rule of being a fan kiddos is you do not hit the, you you, don't test the wrestlers. Don't be stupid. Okay. Um, this did not happen in the parameters of a match, but I'll share it anyways. Uh, now I'll share one that happened in the parameters of a match. This fan had been doing some drinking at a show and decided he was going to shoulder check him or Reed Bentley, okay? So he goes walking by Reed Bentley and shoulder checks him, and the next thing I know, Reed's on him like right on rice. Here comes John Wayne Murdoch. So now you got both rejects beating the little piss out of this fan, okay? I am trying to get the rejects off of him. Finally do. He steps up, slugs me in the mouth. I punched him back. Then my wife comes. She tried to punch him because he punched me. Then John Calvin, Thunder Kitty, uh, and the entire IWA locker room beat the piss out of this dude all the way around the ring. Uh, beat him so bad and made him so mad that he got back to his car and punched his own window out. It made no sense to me. But, yeah, he punched his own window out um, and then took off up the road. So, yeah, it, that was weird i have had to stop two guys uh mitch page was beaten Dell patricks to death uh literally uh and i knew it was going to happen everybody knew it was going to happen uh it had been talked about multiple times he had said when he got in the ring with him he was going to slug him and by hell he walked right up to him and punched him in the mouth three times before dale even knew what happened now they wound up finishing up the match working it was good it was fine uh it was what it was okay but that no, wait, was very did awful. he know it
2: was coming did he know this did he know he knew live rounds were coming at him though right
3: yeah Dell. Dell knew Dell knew they were coming so what
2: um, did he do to deserve this Because this i see this sounds like a damn story in itself too
3: you know truth truth be told i i did not know what the drama was there gotcha. okay um and and you know that was one of those times where it it could have been guilt by association, uh, because I know there was heat with Josh Crane and I know he was there, but you know, still, um, I'm, I'm sure there, there were reasons or whatever, what those reasons were. I have no idea. So not, not for me to speak on.
0: Uh, Interesting one. And I anticipate this is going to be pretty great. The, (laughs) what is the strangest character you've met in your time in the business? Ooh, love this.
3: Hmm. Like in-ring character or just character all around? Any no, fuck the,
2: the in-ring stuff. shit. We want the dirt, baby. Give yeah, us the yeah, dirt. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, like, really, just <sighs> real
3: life. Jesus. Um, <laughs> uh, I have to say Effie. I love him, but he's out there. And, um, you know, Effie is one of those people, you know, you, you, you can't help but be drawn to him because he's so likable, uh, but... At the same time, it's just, like, overwhelming at times, you know, because um, he'll, he'll talk to you about anything, and he'll just throw anything out on the table and see if it sticks. Uh, so you never know moment to moment, like, what he's going to say or do or whatever, and and that's part of what makes Effie so great, I think, is that, you know, people just don't know what to expect when, when he's around.
0: I will say I've only ever seen one match end via dick pick and it involved Effie. <laughs> nice, uh, nice. It was Effie and Nick Iggy at Basement East. Yeah.
3: Nice. Yeah. Nice. Big shout-out to Nick nice. Iggy, too. Love that dude. Yeah. Yeah, I love Nick.
2: You're great, guys. I grew up with Gary. I, I, I trained, but very much like you, I was uh, blessed with a spoon for a chest. So there was no way I was ever going to be a professional wrestler. Didn't work out for me um but dude okay so i have a question i know that okay so outside of death matches when you're working with i'm sure you know you're you're gonna have several matches on a card right so you're gonna have to work with some green boys some young boys sometimes have you ever been in a spot where you literally have to call spots for the talent in the ring because they just can't get through their shit uh
3: yes i have i have had to do that um i'm not gonna throw them under the bus because they're really great now um and and that sure. just is what it is. Yeah. Um, but you know. Um, so and, without uh, naming names, you
2: can say wrestler A and wrestler B. Can you like walk yeah, me through yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. So do, wrestler
3: get... A and wrestler B were, you know, they they went out and they had called like a million spots, and right. they get out there and they get two moves in, and some uh, wrestler B, I think it was, uh, slapped on a headlock and he's like i'm lost and you know luckily i had been around them i had you know i knew what they were going for so you know i kind of led them through a generic television style match and we made it through uh but they didn't do any of the stuff they called they couldn't remember any of it uh and then they get to the back and they're like oh shit, we were supposed to go here and so yeah you know it happens the spotlight you know
2: yeah Definitely, Wex,
1: lead him up, man. So, we're talking about weird characters and we're talking about funny things that people do. And I know you've been in many locker rooms over the years. Yeah. Is there any way you can possibly name without pissing them off? Who's the smelliest person you've had to deal with? Or, like, the smelliest gear bag, like, just the raunchiest fucking... <laughs> we're here.
2: We're here for the dirt, baby. We're here for the dirt.
1: I know like you. Like the, the coach, one who but... never washes his gear and just, just a reeker.
3: Just, you know, I really, I really wish I could pinpoint who that person was because I definitely would have called him out. I have made so Gary many posts on fucking awful. <laughs> just
1: uh, care. I love you.
3: No, I, I, you know, I, I don't think I've ever had a problem with Carrie or his no, gear. I'm
2: totally kidding. He's a sweetheart.
3: Um. I remember I did a, I did a show in a little shit town called Glensboro, and it was probably just the town. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this was the kind of place you walk in and your IQ drops like 10 points just from walking in the building. Um, <laughs> y'all, y'all, look, don't actually, I don't know what I'm talking about. No, I know exactly y'all, what you're I talking do. about.
1: I've been to a few of those shows.
3: Yeah, so, you know... Um, yeah, just Glensboro was horrible. Um, I wish I could, I wish I knew whose gear bag stunk so badly at Ian Rotten's uh, when we were in Memphis because whoever, and it was somebody that was there on a weekly basis, and I never could pinpoint <laughs> where or who. Um, but yeah, I, I would go on a social media rant about it all the time because it is one of my biggest pet peeves about not washing your gear because I don't want to smell that shit. I got to be up in your face. I don't want to smell you.
1: I hear you. Sick.
2: Jesse, is it me? Am I back up again?
0: Uh, I believe it's yeah No, I guess it's me actually. Um, Hmm. As I mentioned before, Mr. John Gray and myself collaborated on his podcast, Real Side of Wrestling for Hmm. some time. And we had a lot of really great interviews with a lot of people, including Effie, including Nick Gage, including good old Alex Nabiev, who explained to us <sighs> how they drink fucking rubbing alcohol. Um, <laughs> I, I, my next question is out of your podcast episodes, what is your favorite?
3: Oh, God. Um, The train wreck you cannot turn away from, the Billy Jack Haynes incident. Um, Billy Jack Haynes come on, and uh, this is way back in the archives on Blog Talk Radio. Um, And I think within like five minutes, I found out that he had been molested by his uncle. Uh, Holy shit. uh, That's deep. That Randy Savage and uh, uh, Linda uh, were the true parents of Stephanie McMahon um always heard that um just so much craziness and then and i'm not going to throw the person under the bus but somebody very close to the rage dojo called in and obliterated billy jack haynes for 45 minutes of the show which was amazing um so yeah i encourage people to go check that out it's on blog talk radio just search real side of wrestling or real side media and uh look for the billy jack haynes interview because it's uh it's fun top notch that's
2: uh, i will i'm literally gonna go download that like as soon as we get (laughs) off of this call because that sounds amazing yeah yeah
3: it was it was crazy uh the other train wreck that you couldn't turn away from was the harley race incident he was our second ever show uh we did not know what we were doing i did not have the ability to call out i did not have like skype was not a big thing then um or if it was i don't know about it this is 2009 uh when i started the podcast yeah and um he kayfabed us on like everything um we try to get him to talk about the unreal story of pro wrestling or whatever it was yeah. that nbc show was he was on uh yeah. that everybody knows he was on yeah. uh, I, I don't know what you're talking about i never did that dude it's 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 literally um, knowledge bro yeah 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 so um there was that and then we asked him uh who he beat to uh win the first ever united states title and he was like i don't remember
1: uh oh so
3: God. yeah like yeah like he just k us on like everything you know just you know so yeah it was just horrible um
0: so none of your favorite episodes are episodes that I was even on.
3: <laughs> it. I mean, it, 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 well, definitely the Alex Nebev episode is is in my top five uh, just because of the rubbing alcohol. And what was the other thing? What's the story?
2: Okay, guys. All right. Now, fuck. I know where. what's the story with rubbing alcohol? Damn it. I need to know.
3: Okay. So Alex Nebev um, is a Russian deathmatch wrestler, and apparently they do things different over there. And I'm interviewing him and, you know, we're talking and he's like, yeah, so, you know, I I, I think I asked why they didn't use rubbing. I I don't remember. Jesse, do you remember exactly how we got to this point?
0: Uh, We Well, because he was talking about getting burned in a match and saying that when they like what they used to light the fires in the death match.
3: Actual petrol. That's right. Yeah.
0: Was actual rubbing alcohol and not. Yeah. No, it
3: was actual gas. Yeah. They, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And he said, Well, we, we drank all the rubbing alcohol. That's what it was. And we were like, You did what? Wait a minute. You what? And he said, Yeah, we drank rubbing alcohol. So for five minutes, I'm asking him what kind of. And I'm like, Messaging Jesse. I'm like, You've got to Google this. I got to know. We're I've- messaging
0: aside <laughs> from the conversation while John is talking to him, like, Is this fucking serious? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Insane. Insane. We spent way too much time on rubbing alcohol on that episode, but it was definitely yeah. fun. And we learned a lot about Russian um ways, I guess. So yeah. Just just Insane. crazy.
2: Insane.
0: Pretty fucking out there.
2: I know so that. Of all the like I asked you already about like the highlight, you know, name all these guys, like highlight, like What's one thing that you want to just strike off completely from your resume? Something that you're just like, this is this is our dirt for you. What's your embarrassing
3: moment as a referee here? Um, the entire Black Craft WrestleMania show? No, I'm joking. Bill, please do not hate me. I'm joking. <laughs> it's a joke. It's a rip. Because um, I don't know if Bill Monaro will listen to this or not. And I literally told him beforehand. I'm like, dude. I'm going to be the only person in the history of Blackcraft to not bury them. Um, <laughs> be, and, and, and it's true because everybody's burying them. And I'm like, you know what? At the end of the day, they fucking paid me every show. They took care of me. I'm not burying them, motherfuckers. No yeah. way. Yeah. So, uh, but no, uh, I say that in jest. Um, God, the low point. There's a couple I, I wouldn't mind redoing the, uh, we, we did a spot where Jimmy Jacobs sent me with a spike and I got color. And literally as I'm falling, it's like Hulk Hogan at Halloween havoc blade job. Like you can see me just slice my head wide open. (laughs) I'm laying face up and I'm still stabbing myself in the head. So, you know, like it's just very blatant, very stupid. So I'd like to kind of take that back. Uh, Jimmy did, like put me over, like why he was hitting me with the spike. He's like, you got good color kid. So, Hey, thanks. Appreciate that. Um, so that was pretty cool. Even though, you know, like I completely botched that, uh, definitely the botch for Michael Elgin and, uh, Masada cause I still hate it. What did they
2: say to you after that?
3: Uh, nothing, nothing They, you know, they, they, they just chalked it up, you know, to green and, and nerves and whatever. And, You know, like I thought for the longest time, like Brett Lauderdale hated me because of that, because he was there (laughs) and he gave me the main event uh, because I was it was a joint show with uh, Infinity Pro Wrestling and I was a ref for Infinity Pro. So they used me on that show and he um, allowed me to do the main event and I fucked the finish. And did you you
2: uh, referee for Infinity Pro in 2003?
3: Uh, possibly, uh, it's, I, 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 it's really hard for me to remember. I, I don't think so, but okay. yeah, no, a matter of fact, I can, I can say definitely not. Okay. Uh, I did not do anything for infinity pro out of Bloomington until, uh, yeah. uh yeah. 2013, oh, 14. Wex, yeah. okay. right. what do you got for him, man?
1: I know earlier we were talking about injuries, and we talk about it, the worst injury you ever had in the ring. What's the worst injury you've ever witnessed in a match that you were revving?
3: Two of them come to mind. Uh, the first one would be uh, the night Christian Hayne busted his head open uh, during a Dragon Day sh- uh pre-show um, for Insanity Pro Wrestling. Uh, it was another one of those joint deals where Insanity had done the first show, Dragon Gate was doing the second. I believe it may have even been an eye-per-view deal. Uh, but Christian Haim and Jesse Emerson had pulled the uh, the pre-show, and I was going to ref. Uh, thank you to uh, Jason Aries for making that happen, because uh, he was the one that you know went to Gabe and said, Hey, use John for the pre-show. So, uh, you know, Jason Aries from the WWE, thank you so much. But um, Christian went to the top rope. Jesse's on the, the floor, and there's concrete floor, no mats. And he does, like, this flip back moonsault, whatever, and missed. From what I saw, he missed him completely. I did not actually see him hit his head. I went with Jesse, who literally caught just the top part of his boot on the top of his head and stumbled backwards and sold it. It wasn't for a good few seconds when somebody in the front row was like, "Hey, hey, he's hurt." Uh, I got out. I went down. I noticed his eyes were completely shut. He wasn't selling, and there was a pool of blood. I threw the X. That was that. Um, very scary moment for me. First yeah. time I'd ever had to throw the X.
2: What what happened? Uh, I mean, what, what was the end of that? Like uh, that he okay he or? he wound
3: up with a concussion. Uh, we we they you know they didn't finish the match. He wound up with a concussion. Uh, and I don't think he wrestled a whole lot after that. Uh, I think he might've done a few shows, but not many. Now he's a triathlon athlete.
1: Wow. Shit.
3: Yeah. So, uh, the other one would be, uh, TOS three. It was either TOS three or in, yeah, TOS three, uh, from Atlantic city, uh, G Raver and, uh, Alex Colon. Uh, Alex comes in, hits him with the big double knee and he goes flying backwards into the barbed wire net, uh, ropes. Uh, and except for there were no ropes. It was just barbed wire and literally went through it. And the back of his head smacked the concrete, uh, loud enough that over the, however many people were in that fucking building, I heard the smack of his head, oh, God. uh, hit the concrete. Yeah,
2: um, I can feel that I, right now.
3: Yeah, I immediately jumped out of the ring. I noticed that he was not coherent. Uh through the acts, uh, Chris Levin uh came down, took control. Next thing I know, uh Schleick and Jimmy Lloyd came out and they did a little three-way dance for the finals of TOS that year, uh, which Alex Clone ultimately won. So, but yeah, it was uh another very, very scary moment there for a minute.
1: That's that's some rough shit right there.
3: Back of the head. God,
1: I I mean, I've hit my head on concrete, and I know like the. And I've heard other people hit their head. I know that sound. It's
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a fun one. Not a fun one. No,
0: it is not good. But it's just kind of one of those things that happens, I do suppose. I actually heard an interesting conversation the other day that perhaps the Bill Goldberg sidekick to Bret Hart's head is not what took him out. However, him going for the figure four around the post and slapping his head against the concrete as he did. So might have been what actually mm-hmm. fucked him up. So Makes sense. interesting stuff, completely unrelated at, at, at any rate, <laughs> uh, John gray. Thank you so much for coming on, man. We, yeah, you and I got to work together on a lot of real fun episodes on your podcast on real side yeah. of wrestling real side mm-hmm. media so on and so forth if you go talk it it's blog talk radio go check it out we got a lot of really great episodes including nick gage and Effie and kurt stallion and uh, it, yeah a lot of really fantastic interviews that yeah. absolutely ruled um i as we go to wrap up here i guess the last thing mm-hmm. i would ask is you know what do you have on your horizon what do you have planned
3: uh, you know, right now with, uh, COVID the way it is, um, nothing, uh, I went up, I did NGI weekend, um, and God bless me. We did not, you know, catch anything while there, uh, or traveling. Um, but you know, until this thing kind of curbs itself, uh, nothing, yeah. you know, I'm, i I do occasionally do some stuff for new South. Um, uh, but you know, outside of that, you know, I'm, I'm just not doing much
2: feel that well at
0: any point in time that I get the opportunity to help work with you or suggest you to work I absolutely promise that I shall I, I really, appreciate
2: it man if you don't mind I got one more thing to ask you though like yeah. so cuz I'm I'm again like I've 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 talked to a lot of people I've been trying to put together an idea um, about doing, uh, getting several referees that have been in the business and doing like an actual documentary, because I think that that's a, a position in the ring that no one like tons of supermarkets that listen to podcasts like this. We are all so enamored with that role sure. because we don't hear enough about it. You know, there's not right. really a whole lot of shoot interviews with like Mike Kiyotas of the world or like, you know, like the, you yeah. know, the Earl Hebner's even really like there's, there's not, there's not a whole lot. Um, so right. for me, like, what's one thing that the ref really does that even a, even like a diehard Mark wouldn't know? Like, what what do you what walk me through your day to day? It's something that might surprise the average wrestling fan. The referees do that they didn't know that, that you guys did.
3: Um, we actually do work out uh, to stay in shape, not just <laughs> cardio. Uh, no, no, that that's legit. You know, no, uh, you'd yeah, be surprised. Yeah, you'd be surprised how many people you know are like, wait a minute, you 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 can actually do a legit push up. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I can do a Yeah. <laughs> oh, you can bench press your own weight? Well, yeah, I can because I work out. Um, yeah. You know, and a lot of people are just surprised. Well, why do you have to work out? Well, because I'm a heavy smoker and I like to breathe when I'm in the ring. And the only way I'm going to do that is if I work out and keep my lungs going and control my breathing, so forth and so on. Uh, And working out in gym helps me to do that. So uh, I would say that Uh, another thing I think is a common misconception uh, or that people don't know that we do. Um, Nine times out of ten, we are the ring crew. I don't know if people knew that or not. Even the WWE, uh, the ring crew are the referees and the, the wrestlers. Um, a lot of people think that companies have these, uh, dedicated employees for that. No, <laughs> no, the ring crew is me. I am the ring crew. So, yeah.
2: Nice. I appreciate that. Definitely
0: no, seen that before in lots of other places.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: Hell yeah. Well, John Gray, thank you very much for joining us on this very special first time ever Indie Spotlight episode yes, of k Comparisons. You. Yeah. So Cool. We really appreciate your time, and uh, l- tell us where people can find you. What do you what do you want to plug? What you got?
3: Uh, I think my Twitter is at uh, Referee John Gray. I'm not on there a whole lot, but I do check it from time to time. Um, you can definitely check me out there. Uh, of course, John R. Gray on Facebook. Uh, I don't add every single person that sends me a request. If you don't have at least 50 people in common with me, I'm not adding you. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, And you must have a profile picture. I I will not add you if you don't have a profile picture. Uh, So, yeah, um, I don't have time for spam and I don't have time to go through and, and, you know, delete a bunch of people. Uh, So, yeah, uh, that's how you can find me. I don't do Instagram or Snapchat or TikTok or any of cool stuff that the the kids are on now. I think my MySpace is still open, though. Nice. MySpace is still (laughs) open.
2: Nice. Love the
3: deep cut. Jesse? Jesse will like that joke. That was a common thing yep. of mine on the podcast. So <laughs> I always asked him what their MySpace page was. That's so, so.
0: <laughs> Well, I will say selfishly that you should also check out Real Side of Wrestling and Real Side Media on Blog Talk Radio. There are a lot yep. of episodes that my goofy fucking voice is on, too.
3: Mm-hmm. And
0: it's uh, it's not a bad look. But yeah. i proud of that, buddy. I appreciate it. Daniel, where can everybody find you?
2: You already know, man, you can find me at Daniel Daybreak or at KFabe.com. I am on all the social media platforms at Daniel Daybreak. I am trying to keep up with them kiddos. So you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook, and yes, MySpace. That's how long I've had this handle. I still have my MySpace hooked to Daniel Daybreak. That's how long it's been. So, John Gray, there's your MySpace shout out, bud.
3: Do, do you remember Nashville and Louisville mojo is that too far back for you guys or? no not at all bro not at all okay okay I, I, was, I, a big, I was a big Mojoer. yeah absolutely yeah. I definitely remember
0: also I mean dude live journal shit. <laughs> yeah Wesley where can we find you
1: you guys can find me on instagram at WexBreakingTheLawson, the Lawson on Twitter at WexBreakingThe. the. And then on YouTube at Wex Breaking the Lawson. I got it all. I got it all the same now, as much as I can. Nice! I love it. I love Wex, it. There he is. As l- Wex Breaking the, as long as I can make it on Twitter. So it's just <laughs> Wex Breaking the. Y'all, y'all know the rest.
0: You can find me trying to help Wex figure out his handles on social media. The. <laughs> you
2: get that brand, baby. Get that brand. Hey, we're working. You. We're working on it, baby.
0: Next week, k pape comparisons will be back with your very known host, Captain mister Know No-It-All, Daniel John Shaper, joined by the kayfabe crew, Wexley Lawson, and myself, comparing this weekend's WWE TLC against the NWA TNA very first pay-per-view in Nashville, Tennessee at Municipal Auditorium NWA TNA pay-per-view number three. And at some point we're still going to cover the XWF because we have to.
2: Yeah, well, we're definitely going to. I've already watched like like one and a half of those shows, and there's so much shit that I want to talk about. I just feel like I don't want it to be muddied or sullied up by the WWE current product, so I'd rather save that for a nostalgia show where I can just deep dive into the shit show that was the XWF, but don't you guys worry, we will definitely fucking get to
0: it. It shall be be done. Thank you guys so much. Daniel, Wesley, John Gray, thank you guys for all your time. Peace. Signing off. Have a good
3: one, guys. Thank you. Peace.
2: Thank you, ma'am.